Hi, I'm Andy McLennahan and I am so pleased to be able to welcome you to this very special episode of Let's Talk Social Work. This is episode 61 of the podcast and it's the first time we've ever recorded live in front of an audience. We're here this evening at Conference Aston in Birmingham, ahead of the Basel UK conference. And not only is it lovely to be off Zoom, making an episode face to face, we have a fantastic audience with us and you're all very welcome. Our theme this evening is the role of podcasts as a learning resource. What do social workers gain from engaging in podcasts? What would they like done better? Who are we yet to reach? And have I and my guests who are here tonight uh, learned anything from making, studying and participating in podcasts? With me to discuss all this and more are the wonderful Patrice Bentick, Senior Practitioner in Camden Council and friend of and regular contributor to Let's Talk Social Work. Joe Hanley, lecturer with The Open University, and Dr. Sylvia Smith, host of the wonderful Social Workers Matter podcast. Patrice, Joe, Sylvia, it's great to have you here. Sylvia, first time on the podcast. How are you Absolutely. doing? Absolutely. First time I've recorded a podcast live. But you are a podcaster. Yes, I with am. With a wealth of experience. I am, yes. Um, I'm a social worker by profession. I've been a social worker for 35 plus years. Um, I'm now in the education space. I teach at the Tavistock and Portman um, NHS Trust. Um, and the motivating force for, for, for doing a podcast was because in my private life, I, I play about on the radio. So I do a lot of radio broadcasting um, as a hobby. But I thought I wanted to do something in, in, in my own sector. So decided to set up this podcast um we're on number 71 at the moment that's right didn't want to show off or anything well no it's fine right. show off as much as you want 71 better moment. than us um and it's it's an interview based podcast i love stories i love speaking to people um and it gives me an opportunity to meet a variety of very interesting people and ask them some real questions that i'm curious about so it's very much driven by me um, probably a bit too egotistical, but um, I, I, I really enjoy it, really love it. Thank you, Sylvia. Thanks for being here. Joe, you were last on, we were talking about the children's uh, review of children's services, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Me and when was that? other people in the room. Uh, Who was that? Sorry? Who, you and... Me and Becca. That's and right, yes. Another person? I can't believe it. Oh, um, Sam Turner. Oh, Sam Turner, oh. who has been on again. Yes, so, so how embarrassing, Sam. Maybe, maybe Andy will cut this out. So no, I won't. No, that's good. That's, that bit was quite good. Yeah, no, I'll leave that in. I'll cut out my mistakes. You amplify mine. That's right, yes. Patrice, it's great to have you here. Everybody, this was Patricia's idea. We're doing this because Patrice suggested a live episode, so thank you. Yes. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me for the hundredth time. It's the fourth, it's the fourth time, the fourth time, yes. Um, Joe, let's start. Uh, you have conducted very in-depth research into podcasts as a learning resource for social workers, and you've written a PhD thesis on it, no less. Start us off, start off the conversation by telling me a bit about what you've uncovered in your research. You know, to what extent are social workers relying on podcasts as a CPD resource? Yep, sure. Happy to kick it off. Uh, so the research, as you said, was my doctoral research. I'm doing that at Brunel University London with the great education department there. And it's interviewing social workers who have listened to podcasts and then also social work podcasters. So obviously 
it's a doctoral thesis, about 100,000 words now, so uh, we won't have time to talk about all of that. No. Uh, but a, a big focus of it is kind of social workers and whether podcasts can be good for social work CPD. And overwhelmingly from social workers and from podcasters, it was a yes. They're, they're very keen for that. I mean, obviously podcasters might be have that built in because they're podcasters, that they might want it to be good for that. But yeah, it, it was very much that. And I think there was a lot of reasons for that. You know, there's a lot of like flexibility, accessibility and things like that. So those kind of individualistic focused things, choice, personal choice was a really big one from the podcaster perspective as far as making the podcast and deciding those things, but also the social worker who wants to listen or anyone who wants to listen, being able to choose the podcast. But there were also really good like um, collectivist side of things. So uh, podcast promoting activism, people sharing podcasts and things like that. So you know, podcasting might be thought of as kind of an individual activity, but you know, I mean, right now we're all in this room together. This is podcasting. Nobody would call this an individualized activity. You know, it's very collective. So there's a lot in there, but I'm sure we'll go on to some of it again. But that's okay, that's really interesting. Because I thought of I thought of kind of primary benefits, convenience, and accessibility. I never really thought of the collectivist kind of aspect of it. That's really interesting. Yeah. What do you guys listen to in terms of podcasts? Not just social work podcasts, but, you know, fun podcasts. Patrice, what are you into? So I like trainers. Um, I collect trainers. So a lot of the podcasts that I listen to are around that. Um, you mean sneakers, not you don't collect people who train groups of people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Can we just throw runners in there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. runners so far, okay. Runners in there as a okay. too, yeah. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Sneakers are really American, so yeah, I yeah, for sure. Trainers, but yeah, sneakers. Um, and I also like watching discussions, mm -hmm. which is why I thought about this. Awesome. Um, and having people involved in like panel discussions. Um, and we were talking to someone earlier about um, Clubhouse, and I love Clubhouse. Uh, it was on um, Apple only first. Mm -hmm. I'm a Samsung girl. Let's not debate it, but um, when it came to Android, loved it because you have that space for people to discuss topics safely, and then there's a space for people to get involved in asking questions and debating things with you, um, which I also think that is incredibly like important to the learning process. Awesome. Sylvia, what do you like to listen to? I like lifestyle podcasts, things that teach me how to budget. Okay. Mm. You know, how to manage my money, um, how to manage my life. Um, so I do tend to go for those kinds of podcasts and um, entrepreneurship, okay. that sort of stuff. Yes. I, that's the, those are the podcasts I like. Give us a recommendation. Give us a title. I can't remember one right now. Andy. Okay, sorry, sorry. Okay. Uh, Thanks for that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Joe, what about you? Give us a title, Joe. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, and I think there's a real... Uh, some of the, like, so I, I listen to ones like Auntie Donna or the Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast and these are just podcasts that are completely a bunch of people sitting in a room talking absolute nonsense and I think a big benefit of that is that I know that nothing work related can come up on the podcast so I can actually feel relaxed during yes. these podcasts yes. so I think those are the ones that I probably enjoy the most but I also listen to a bunch of other kind of more serious ones okay okay the work related thing i was quite i've probably been a bit stressed about making this episode a lot of moving parts when i make the podcast it's normally just me on zoom with the guests so i'm glad this has all come together but i think the extent to which i was stressed i had a dream a couple of weeks ago and um i'd made an episode with wonderful colleague johnny adamson johnny's here he was told this is going to come this story and it's a safe story don't worry johnny um <laughs> 
I was having a dream and Johnny was like, we were kind of brainstorming about future episodes and Johnny's like, do you know what it is, Andy? Bigfoot, Sasquatch. That's what you need to make an episode about. And I remember thinking, I don't see the social work angle. I mean, it's tenuous. I mean, he sleeps rough, I suppose, but you know, that's about as far as it goes. And Johnny being like, no, no, this is real. This is a gore. You're trying to expand an audience. And I thought there is a kind of big sort of conspiracy theory market we could tag into. But that was, you know, all the dream. Don't you worry. So woke up. We didn't do it. But and this maybe is the connection. My dad was a teacher and he taught in this really, I won't name the school because I'm going to say this really rough school and I don't want to give the name of the school. But he taught in this really rough high school and they used to call him the Sasquatch because he had a big ginger beard and lots of ginger hair. So that's probably where that was coming back to. Some sort of, you know, you could do some sort of Freudian analysis of that, you know. No, no, no. I don't know if anyone heard Johnny's script there, but yes, Johnny was being funny. Um, yeah, Freudian slip. That's when you say one thing, but you mean your mother. Um, <laughs> Listen, I work at the Tavistock. Be careful with those. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Be careful. I got stressed, but I got a good, I got a good, I got a funny-ish story out of it, so that was good. Right, so let's move on. Serious focus, Joe. Um, let's explore. Are there any downsides to using podcasts as, as a CPD resource? You know, um, one of the issues we touched on on the podcast recently, we made a, an episode about social work and the media, and we talked about quality assurance. You know, you've tons and tons of content which is put out that sounds really well produced, really authoritative, but you know, in terms of news and current affairs, we're aware of how much kind of garbage there is um, in terms of um, podcasting and sort of YouTube channels. When it comes to CPD, you know, that's serious. That, that's really important for career development. Are there concerns about um, kind of verification of content for podcasts? Yeah, certainly in the research, probably the most explicit uh, downside that podcasters and social workers mentioned was quality control. You know, who, who's putting out a podcast? Like, what... what agenda angle do they have and also what are they covering do they even know what they're talking about uh, and I think you know that that's not something that's not existent in other CPD you know especially you know we uh, a lot of CPD and social work today is market driven and that can often be you know low cost uh, so that, that that has its own quality concern but I, I do kind of look at some ways around that in the research on the discussion really more and none of them are really perfect so you know you could do peer reviewing of podcasts, which you know, academics and others already give up their time for free to do that. So maybe podcasters could give up their time to do that. But uh, one of the things that people really liked about podcasts was that they could talk about things current and the peer review process can be very slow. So suddenly you're losing that currency. Uh, you could look at metrics and say, you know, maybe the, the most popular podcasts are good, but that they can be manipulated. You know, Spotify already uses algorithms to you know, boost podcasts that make them more money. Uh, there's another thing in, in uh, research around podcasts about being part of a network and like that could be like a stamp of approval. Hey, you know, we're podcasts. We think this podcast is we're podcasters. We think this podcast is good. But then networks can also be really exclusion. You know, they, they can exclude people. And uh, if a podcast network gets a certain sound, then that sound kind of becomes ingrained and it prevents kind of that uh, variety and that um, almost that authenticity because everybody's just trying to maybe get into that network that gives them yeah. a stamp of approval. So I didn't really come up with a way perfectly around that, but it's important to note that it's not just podcasts that have this kind of concern about quality control. It'd be hard to peer review a podcast, you know, and not have it, you know, if you're doing a blind review of a, a, an academic paper, that's one thing. But I imagine the sort of the competitiveness <laughs> of some podcasts might lead to bias in that as well. But um, um, Sylvia, you told us earlier, episode 71, 
how do you verify who you bring on? You know, because that's a lot of content you've you've produced. Well, I mean, you know, Joe Joe has sort of given us a, an extremely intellectualized um, uh, account. As is his one. Yeah, you, you have, you have, you have um, account of, of the podcast space. Mine is very simple. Um, in the course of my day, in the course of my week, I meet very interesting people um, who are in the profession, and I know that. Ordinarily, those people perhaps wouldn't get an airing mm-hmm. um, in other spaces. So I'm not necessarily about quality assuring um, my, my podcast because in a way I'm inviting people to tell their stories. Um, it's very intimate. Um, I try to make uh, it a relaxed environment and I give space. I in fact say very little. Um, I give space to, in fact, the skills I learned as a social worker are the very skills I use in, in the podcasting um, space. Um, you don't say much, you give um, space to your guest, and you ask questions that will prompt them to share. Um, so it's very, very simple and very interesting. Yes, it is. It's great. It's great if people haven't heard Sylvia's podcast, which I'm sure you all have. Please do check it out. It's a, it's a, it's a great piece of work. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so, Sylvia, you mentioned a little bit earlier about why you began podcasting, but I want to explore that a bit more. So, a number of episodes back, I discussed with Nana and Robert from the Fantastic Social Worker and the Mentor podcast. I was back in April. Um, why they podcast and, and you know we talked a lot about their style they communicate in a manner and with language which is authentic to them but also to the young people that they work with mm-hmm. um, they discussed the importance of promoting black excellence in social work as well which is incredibly important I've also interviewed Jerry Nosowska who is um, the co-host of the Helpful Social Work podcast and Paul Shuttleworth who co-hosts the Doodoo Social Work podcast both of whom I'm delighted to say are here tonight but we didn't get into their approach to podcasting so Sylvia you are only the second podcaster I've had the pleasure of talking to about why you do it. So let's explore that a bit more. Tell us why you started four years ago. Is it that long? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, as I said earlier, it, it, was a, it was to sort of give an opportunity to... Okay, let me be honest. Social work gets a bad rap, okay? Um, and... Although there is a mistake on my publicity, it says social worker matters or something, it should say social work matters, or social workers matter, I've got that wrong. Um, And my whole thing was, you know, having been in the profession for so many years, um, things don't seem to be getting any better in terms of the profile of of folks in our profession. Um, So my, my whole thing was about trying to educate the masses. It was, it's kind of grand, but I wanted my family members to be able to pick it up and listen to it and understand exactly what was being said and what was, um, what was going on. So it was, it was about trying to improve the, the profile of our profession. Um, it was also speaking to the variety of people that we have in our profession, allied um, professions as well. What's recently happened, though, is that I'm also now speaking with um, care-experienced people who are now adults um, who want to tell their stories. That seems to be something that's increasing in prominence. Um, So we've made some interesting connections with a couple of people who have written books, 
about their about their stories and their experiences. Um, Chantel um, Thomas, there, who's my colleague at the um, Tavistock. Yeah, uh, we're we're going to embark on a, a sort of a project where we're going to partner with some of these people, and all that has come out of podcasting. Um, so it's just to hear the voices that we don't normally hear. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. What have you learned from doing it? You must have grown. So I mean, you must have developed your own skills in doing it. You know, was it you that was asking me uh, about my own CPD? Mm. We're going to come and on to that, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think I need to use some of this stuff yeah, now as yeah. evidence of my CPD. But, I mean, 71 long conversations. Yeah, I never, never thought of it. Yeah. Never yeah. thought of it. But, I mean, as I say, I, I use, in my view, the same skills I learned as a social worker. Obviously, now I'm also an educator, so, you know, I'm used to speaking to groups of people. But speaking to individuals um, and smaller groups of people, like, you know, three or four uh, in the same space, um, I'm, I, I think I've improved my, my communication skills okay. tremendously. Do you have a preference for doing a sort of one-on-one -on -one interview or with a group? Depends on who it is. Okay. When you have people like Chantal Thomas and other <laughs> people who are... Who are, who are quite vocal. I've interviewed it's, it's Chantel difficult. a couple of times. Yeah. It's difficult to manage them. It's difficult yes. to manage them. But um, no, no I, don't, I don't really have a preference. And, and, and people, people are really nice. They're very accommodating. They, yeah. they behave most of the time. Okay. But most of the time, time, how do you find the time? It takes a lot. There's a lot of work that goes into it. You see, you, 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 you've kind of, you're telling me things that I probably need to bring into my, my, my workflow. Uh -huh. But I tend to talk with people until it comes to a natural end, yeah. which is usually about an hour. Interestingly. But in terms of finding the time even oh, to, oh, to research, oh, you know, God. to research your content, to do your edits, all that sort of stuff, there's a lot of work. I think people listen to a good product and they, they enjoy it, but they may not have an understanding of just how much goes into it. I mean, you are, you have a lot of space, you have a lot of plates spinning. How do, you, how do you find the time? Well, because I, I think I've always got it at the back of my mind when I, I go, go into spaces. Don't be surprised if I don't ask a few of you today, actually, to uh, be guests on the show. Um, but so there's that. That's always going on. You know, if I come across someone or, you know, I think, oh, they may be interesting. So that's happening. Um, in terms of the, the editing process, I try very hard not to do a lot of post uh, post show production or post podcast production, um, and I mean I don't need to really, um, but of course there's the show notes that need to be written. Um, but somehow because I've obviously had an interesting time with the person, I'm quite keen to write the. You know what I mean? All that it's all tied up with the excitement of doing it so yeah. it doesn't feel like a labor yeah oh um, yes yes I mean, I mean i love making this podcast i've never enjoyed a piece of work as much it takes a long time it takes a lot out of me but it's it's something i really really love doing i want to just jump back a bit patricia um sylvia was saying about you know promoting a positive vision of social work it's something we've spoken about before you know social work does get a bum rap in the media often so podcasting is a sort of new media i mean how important do you see it as you know, a way to, to promote a positive voice? Yeah, I think it's really important. Um, my families that I support don't really understand what we do on a day-to-day. -day. I think no one really understands what we do on a day-to-day. -day. I don't even think I fully get what my <laughs> colleagues do in other teams outside of my own. Um, 
And I think it's a nice place for people to learn a bit more about that. I think for others who haven't delved into different types of social work, they can hear different topics and they may become more curious. Um, I think it's a really good space to safely discuss really challenging topics. Um, topics that we might not feel comfortable talking about with our colleagues, with our friends, with our, our family. Um, and I have definitely enjoyed some of the challenging questions you ask. They make me think about, well, you know, my position. And whoever I'm on a podcast with, they have a different view. Um, and we can go back, back and forth and discuss things. And it's, it's a, just a nice, warm space to do that. Yeah, great. Sylvia, have you had any controversy in any episodes you've made? Have you ever come, come in for any criticism? Do you think stage? anyone would disagree with me? Uh, I think it would be. <laughs> they might try. They might do, they might do it anonymously. But have no. you? Have you? No? no Not really, good. because um, it, it, I'm, I'm sort of encouraging a space for them to sell mm. their stories. Yeah. I think what people... Because I, I, what I want is intimacy. Yeah. Mm. Don't get that twisted, please. No. Um, in terms of the discussion that we have. Yeah. The discussions we have. So... It's more about the questions. That's my thing. A bit like systemic practice. It's more mm. about the questions and how you ask the questions and what they bring out in, in people. And some people have said they've never spoken so intimately about some of the things yeah. they've experienced. And for me, I find that very satisfying. Have you any standout episodes? <sighs> no, no, Andy, no. They're all great. Okay. <laughs> okay. Want to get me into trouble? <laughs> well, I suppose, yeah, yeah, I didn't really think about that. No, I don't mind. Um, okay. Okay, great. So we've got a question from the floor. I think just while, just as an observation while, while we're on this topic, I know that I've um, dipped into podcasts um, and obviously being on your podcast and I've listened a lot to, uh, listen a lot, used to listen a lot to Jerry's podcast as a learning um, platform for me so if I had a particular subject or I wanted to just learn then I'd tap into podcasts but I do think there's an element I think that's missing in the sense of podcasts being a platform for influencing and change and particularly given that um, like we've said social work is not it's not never really been in a great place I don't think our own self-esteem is very good I don't think we shout about ourselves very much and I also think that um, having recently done some work myself, people don't know the value of social work and neither do those people in powerful positions that are spending money. They don't know the value. They don't know what we do. They, so in terms of not knowing the value and not knowing what we do, we're almost cast aside. We can be cast off. We're not a valuable part. And I think podcasts potentially whether I'm right or I don't know, and obviously asking the question and maybe missing, missing that element in terms of that influencing those people in, those people in power or actually missing the opportunity for social workers to listen and gain that professional identity that seems to be missing quite a lot when I come into contact with people. So in terms of Jackie's points, right enough, I mean, I'm going to come to Joan in one second, but I mean, I'm guessing what I'm initially thinking is we can be preaching to the choir. You know, if our audience is a social work audience, and Jackie's point is about reaching a wider audience, how do we do that, Joe? Uh, so there was something that came up in the research when talking to podcasters, and it's, these, were type, these types of things definitely came up a lot. And uh, there's a 
uh, a way that podcasters are, because most podcasters do it for free. Some manage to make money out of it eventually, monetize it through advertising and <laughs> other things. Uh, none of the podcasters that I spoke to in my research had, achieved, had gotten to that point. And, and actually none of them wanted to, or, or certainly uh, they, they were very hesitant about the possibility. But that's, so from a podcaster in generally perspective, that's called aspirational labor. So like they're working now to the potential of making money in the future. So a lot of the podcasters, the social work podcasters it's like capitalism too. Sorry? It's kind of like capitalism, sorry. It is, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, but this is when you're doing it like for, you're making no money. And like you capitalism might, you might never like capitalism. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. So social work podcasters were uh, more likely to talk about their, it, maybe they were having, they had a small audience at the moment, or they were having a small impact at the moment. They certainly talked about, you know, and there were examples of like promoting campaigns and engaging people, and, and even just right now, you know, we've got a room full of people. So this, during the, the pandemic, this wasn't really po possible, but now we have it. Uh, and so I, I called that aspirational impact. And I think that's what I, I found from a lot of the podcasters was that they weren't necessarily having the impact that they wanted to have with their podcast now, but they hoped that through building it and getting the experience and, and, and put, because the other thing, a lot of the social work podcasts that I was talking to had started their podcast relatively recently as well. And certainly, you know, podcasts, uh, social work podcasts, the number of them have ballooned over the last few years. Uh, the, pod, the pandemic helped with that because you've got people sitting at home who have the opportunities and chances to do that. So. Like I said, there was this kind of thing of aspirational impact of like wanting to have that broader impact and, and wanting to get to that point and even lamenting the fact that we really should have been doing more even by now and we just haven't kind of, you know, and, and some of them even reflected after that thinking, God, you know, you know, maybe I should be doing more, maybe I should start doing some other activities and things like that. So maybe that's like something that we can build towards in the future more. And, and I'm not saying there aren't things that are, are happening because there are podcasters who are having that, um, who have had a, a, a broader impact, but maybe we can kind of move towards that and, and that aspirational impact might be actualized. Thanks, Joe. Patrice, I'm always really pleased uh, when I meet guests who are eager to share, and you are one of them. You know, you've been on podcast four times now. You're really generous with your time. Mm -hmm. You're enthusiastic to share about your experience. But I find social workers can be a bit apprehensive about speaking on a podcast. I mean, what can you share about your experience to encourage others to be more outspoken? Um, I think it's something about what you touched on, um, the invitation to come and be vulnerable, that creates that intimacy. And I think um, we hold a lot of power in our, in our profession, and it's something about trusting yourself as a professional. Um, to come and share your story and to talk on whatever subject that you're really passionate about. Um, I think it's something about the host as well, creating that trust and that safe space um, and just being really clear about what you want. I've always been really clear about what I want to get out of a session with mm. you. You've always been really clear and I think that's just helped us work really well together. Um, and I want to touch on your point a little bit as well because I lead on anti-racist practice, it's really important to me, as you probably have heard and read. Um, so I use that space, and I've used that space with Andy to talk about really challenging topics in a really open, honest, and sometimes brutal way. Um, and through that, I feel that we can make change, and I think it's made significant change, the things that some of the people have told me. Um, and, and I guess we have to 
trust because podcast is yes you spoke about it being this like community collective kind of work you don't always get feedback on on your session right it's people listen to it from afar so it's trusting that okay i'm doing something and i'm going to have a wider reach and then just having an a feedback loop some way mm. somehow um but yeah. you, did you have to overcome any imposter syndrome i know this is a big issue for a lot of oh, social every workers. day yeah, okay. Every day. Try being, try being the Irish non-social worker who makes the podcast for the British Association of Social Workers. Um, yeah. Um, I interviewed Lily Hale back in December 2021 for Human Rights Day, and it was great. Um, and uh, she had an autobiography, which I was able to read before that. She talked about imposter syndrome a lot, you know, so, um, you know, think of where she got to in her career. But coming back to social work, mm. imposter syndrome, would you, do you think if, mm. I, if when I ask social workers... That's what's run through. That's what runs through their head. You know, am I qualified to do this? Um, yes, that is a short answer. I think that we are in a thankless profession. Um, we don't really get a lot of appreciation for what we do. Um, a lot of the work, especially for me in children's services, looked after children's team and child protection you're working hoping that you're making a really good decision um, and you don't always know until 20 years later sometimes yeah. or you know um, a little comment a child might say to you so there's this whole thing about am I doing enough all the time am I making the right decision and it again it goes back to that, to that trust and trying to be really realistic about okay what does this look like but that's a consistent thing yeah. that you need to always be doing, always be asking yourself. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And can I, I want to come back to an issue, Joe, we kind of touched on earlier, authenticity. Authenticity and voice. Is that something you looked at in your research? Yeah, yeah, sure. It's, um, and it's, it's something that's very much talked about in podcast, like literature and research about podcasts generally, but it certainly came through in the stuff about social work podcasters. And it is, it's, it's that fact that, I, I know I talked about the collective element, but I also t talked about it being individual. And it is it's that idea you've got somebody in your, because most of the time it's listened to through headphones, so you've usually got, it's not like the radio where you've got it on in the car or something like that, you're almost always listening to it through headphones, although I do listen to podcasts in the car. Uh, but they, you've, you've got somebody's voice literally inside your head, mm -hmm. and that, so that intimacy and that authenticity plays in a way that maybe other media, which might, a more authoritarian voice, might be what kind of gets traction um, and you do, uh, quite a few podcasters talked about something that you just, you were touching on there, Patrice, which is about that dialogue and, and the fact that you're kind of, you're, you're having a discussion with somebody and you, that podcasts facilitate that and they, you can play around with uncertainty in a way that some other mediums and forums don't really allow you to. You can kind of, you can go in there being like, okay, I, I have some information, but maybe I'm wrong about it. Let's, let's chat this out and, and, and knock it back and forth. And some of the podcasters actually said that kind of modeling those discussions for social workers was more important than the content of the actual podcast, mm -hmm. being able to show to social workers, you know, you can have these discussions, you can go in there and, and talk about these difficult, these, these tough topics in a way that's not, you know, maybe you're not sure about them, maybe you're just trying to figure it out as you go, maybe you'll come to the end and be more uncertain than you were when you started. Uh, but... Yeah, so I, I, it was quite interesting that the, the content almost became secondary to some of the podcasters in discussing those, those 
that dialogue and that authenticity was a really important part of that. Yeah, and that sort of lovely community, community familiarity. I mean, when you've made the 71 episodes, anyone who's listened to those 71 episodes, Sylvia, who doesn't know you, probably feels that they do. Mm. You know, there's a podcast I absolutely adored called Talking Politics, and it ran for a number of years, and it doesn't exist anymore. And I was really upset when it finished. I mean, once I was upset, I didn't cry or anything. I was just disappointed. <laughs> Had to find another podcast listening. But um, I remember when it finished, it was, uh, it was two Cambridge academics, David Runciman and Helen Thompson. And I remember I tweeted them when it finished, and Helen Thompson said thank you on Twitter, this is the greatest thing ever. You know, because so, you, know, you feel like you know these people and you know, really engage. Um, in, in, terms of, in terms of your voice, Sylvia, um, when you started, did you feel, as a black woman, was your voice being heard? I don't mean your actual voice, but you know, the, the voice that you were bringing to podcasting. Mm. Was that present in podcasting? Was it present in social work podcasting? I didn't believe it was. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and I think... You know, I just wanted to, to, to go back to some of what was being discussed as well. You know, there, there are millions of podcasts out there, mm. right? And in, in answer to our colleagues' uh, comments okay. there about being influencers and so on, um, yeah, you can have that kind of podcast where, where that's your goal and that's absolutely what you want to do. Mm. But, you know, as many people as there are in this room, we will probably all have a different style and approach. And that can all be accommodated. Um, and I don't think, uh, as, as a black woman, I saw enough of people looking like me mm-hmm. doing this kind of stuff. Um, so that was another driver, absolutely another driver. And then consequently, a lot of my guests are black practitioners, mm-hmm. but not all of them. They're not exclusively mm-hmm. black practitioners, but a lot of them are. And I suspect because they feel comfortable mm-hmm. in the space. I mean, I, we often, before... Um, I do a, a podcast, we'll have a chat before we do it, another time east eater, um, yes. so we do a little chat beforehand and then we agree a date and then we, we, we set to record um, but I think, you know that's partly what attracts them and, uh, and why they agree to do it yeah, yeah okay so there's time for another question from the floor do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, uh, I'm Paul, a friend of the show but also Shameless plug, do, uh, do do social work as well. I did it already for you, Paul. Oh, no, you twice, there you go. go. <laughs> um, my, I was just um, wondering, are there any kind of topics that you want to kind of steer clear of? I know that we lived in quite a kind of polarised world where things are kind of right and wrong, and I understand about the modelling of um, how you discuss things, that's great, but there's other just topics that you just don't want to go near. I can say something, but I'm sure yeah, a bit more you, interested you, you, to hear about you first. Uh, I, I haven't come across that, to be honest. Um, I generally am very steered by whoever I interview. So it's absolutely up to them what they want to talk about in relation to the questions I ask. Um, and I always say to them, if there's stuff that you don't want to actually have publicised, we can, we can always edit that. Um, so... That hasn't really come up for me in the years I've been doing it. Uh, there were some podcasters in the research who did talk about like steering clear of certain issues, uh, which are uh, maybe the kind of issues that you might expect that some podcasters might not want to touch on, like um, trans rights or uh, Israel-Palestine or um, uh, there were some other ones anyway. Uh, and. It wasn't, there were different reasons given for kind of the reason why they, they wouldn't want to touch them. Some of it was related to 
I, I don't want vitriol being aimed at me. I don't want trolls coming after me because I'm talking about a topic. And others were ta- saying, I don't want to talk about these things because I don't, I don't feel like I have the information to be an authoritative, to be a voice about this. Uh, I'll take the authoritative side out. And they did, so they, they were worried about kind of, which again, you know, arguably could be because they were worried about saying the wrong thing and getting that vitriol, but at least they, fra- they framed it in a different way, which would have been like, actually, I don't feel like I have enough information or the knowledge. I'm not an expert in this area, so why would I kind of talk about that? I think for some white podcasters, actually, thinking back, talked about not necessarily wanting to address things like Black Lives Matter or the murder of George Floyd or something like that, unless maybe there was a voice who was more representative there um, in that. So there, there certainly were, for the most part, it, Social work podcasters talked about speaking openly about things and saying, like, I would talk about anything or, or most topics. And, and there was a few things, kind of like what Sylvia said, where if a guest said something and they said, look, I don't really want to talk about this, and that's a bit different. But uh, there was certainly some hesitancy amongst some of the podcasters about certain topics. And I suppose just, though, but about <coughs> providing a platform, like Sylvia was saying, you give people the opportunity to speak from their experience. You don't have to be an expert at all, I think, to, to ask Good questions. I hope not, because I'm not. You know. Um, so, and, and the th- I suppose one thing. No one's asked me a question, but um, I'm going to answer a question anyway. Um, what I've really learned from doing this, because we have touched on a lot of sensitive topics, a lot of sensitive topics, and I've been really kind of anxious about doing them. Not anxious to the point where I didn't want to do them, but anxious about causing any upset or any harm. And what I've learned is just sensitivity, understanding people, giving them the platform, and asking questions. But you know, kind of. You know, why explain to, you know, kind of help me understand, you know? I'm not talking about, we would never, when we've done episodes around sort of anti-black racism, ask someone to talk about their experiences of racism unless they wanted to, but being able to say, you know, explain this subject, you know, this is the platform to do it, I find really, really helpful. Um, and we've had a wee bit of flack on issues, I'm not gonna get into them, but less than I expected on, on certain rather controversial issues. Um, yeah, despite not, like podcasters talking about wanting to avoid vitriol, most of them said they haven't ever experienced it or never. Yeah. Or if they did, it was very minor um, negative feedback. It was mostly overwhelmingly positive. So. Yeah, I think yeah. as a guest, I've never, I've I've never been asked a question that I've felt uncomfortable to answer. I don't think anything's been edited that I've said that was inappropriate. I did. I was a guest on um, a sneaker podcast talking about women's safety in the sneaker community, which is a huge thing when you want to buy expensive trainers, you have to hide it, you get bothered a lot. A lot of women uh, get assaulted on the way home from buying shoes. It's ridiculous. So that was challenging. And I I think I was mindful about how I worded some things um, because I know I'm known in that community and I have to still go out and... um, And I think... when he first asked the question, I did think about trans rights as something that is really sensitive. Working in Camden as well, having Tavi and the work that they used to do with children in the trans community, um, it's a very sensitive subject. Um, I don't particularly have many views on it per se, but I'm mindful that a lot of other people do, and I don't know enough to talk to it. Um, and there's some other topics that I might just not know enough, so I wouldn't explore it, but I'd be open to asking questions to someone else. Would you be comfortable in picking up the question about forced marriages? I mean, I, 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 if let's say I had a guest 
on my podcast who that was what they did in terms of their work and the campaigning or whatever. It wouldn't be so much about it wouldn't be so much about me offering an opinion or a view, it would be about me exploring with that individual what were the issues. So it, again, it would be me giving over the platform to the individual to say what they had to say. Um, Where would you draw the line though? I mean, in terms of, I'm not that issue, but I mean, surely there would be, a, there's one thing giving someone a platform, <coughs> platform to share their experience, but if someone starts to share something which is hurtful to others or something which is racist, Something what, which on is misogynist. On, no, no, not on that topic. No, on, on, on that topic, you know. I never get into that situation because we'd have a, a pre-show mm. um, discussion. Sure. Um, and of course, there's always the edit button. But I, I, I can't quite see how that would happen in my style of show, sure, to sure. be honest. Mm. Um, I could see where it potentially could happen in other styles. Um, but I, I can't quite see how that would happen in mine. Okay, so just um, the, the concept of giving someone a platform, though, that's within the context of them being essentially vetted in advance. Is that's what you're saying? Vetted, a very strong word, I well, think. Well, yeah, I don't mean, yeah, I mean, understood. You know, you, you, you essentially know what's going to be shared. To a degree, to a degree, because again, I don't, I'm not really into censorship either. Sure. And one of the, the beauties of doing podcasting is that, for the most part, you, you can actually say what you want. Sure. But so I think it's an incredible, it's an incredibly important topic for social work. Yeah. I'm not an expert <coughs> on forced yeah. marriage, mm -hmm. but I feel like I know a good amount about it. I've had to work with, um, I've had cases in children where forced marriage has been a topic. I've had to go to um, the Royal Court of Justice and apply for forced marriage orders before. Yeah. So it's something that I'm relatively confident in, but I wouldn't say I'm an expert and I'd answer the question as best as I, as I could and be honest about that. Yeah, we all work with a comfort zone. We are not all experts in everything, but we mm. work with a comfort zone and we pass the topic on or we expect other professionals in that area to help us out or support us. I mean, that's exactly what you said. Yeah, and yeah, and you, you're, you're a facilitator. You're, well, I see myself as a facilitator. Yeah. So I'm facilitating a discussion with, with, we with my guests. We all are facilitating a yeah, discussion, exactly. but we need to... That's what we do. Uh, yeah, That's we, what we do. So we're not there to sort of stand up and be experts in everything, but no. the, the, the skill to be able to facilitate... And move them on yeah. to, the right, to the right person or to the right uh, source, uh, the project, or whoever... Yeah. I mean, and of, even as an academics, well, you, you do get uh, well, one, one of, one students of the things, who have gone through this journey. Well, one of the things, I mean, okay, that, that's another issue, I guess, as well. But one of the things that we do at the Tavistock is that we, because I teach on the, um, I the Masters in Social Work as mm -hmm. well as a Doctorate in Social Work, one of the things we do is we advise our students to listen to podcasts. Of course, mine is up there too. Um, but, you know, we advise them to, 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 to use different mediums to, to sort of gain knowledge and so on. Um, and sometimes you do need an expert because you're, you're teaching. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily put myself in that position. I would invite someone who has the expertise. Thanks so much, Nida. Cheers. Do you want to introduce yourself, Kevin? Hello everyone. My name is Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> is that the problem?
Was that the right way to introduce myself? That was awesome. Okay. <laughs> that was awesome, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so my question um, focuses more on the creation of podcasts and something that I guess I've thought about tonight based on this idea of intimacy, um, which is feelings of guilt and um, almost feelings of injury. And the example that I'll give is when I previously um, recorded vlogs from people who've received social work services. And something that I, troubled me was editing, editing um, an hour-long story into half an hour because I felt like I was squeezing someone's story and almost robbing them of something they'd shared with me. And so that was where the guilt came. And I guess the injury came particularly for me with one example where someone was talking about what we described at the time as final contact and her story about the last time she saw her son before he was adopted. And by editing that story, I had to go through it over and over again forensically in my mind um, to, to do the editing. And not long after that, I had a nightmare, which was me having final contact with my daughter and basically living the story that she'd shared with me. And the question that I suppose I'm putting to everybody is, how do you shake that off? And how do you deal with the story that someone's giving you sensitively um, and keep yourself safe at the same time? You know, interestingly, <laughs> um, I've, I've done a couple of podcasts and, and one fairly recently where I, where I interviewed a care experienced adult um, and he's written a book. And I suppose what I didn't want to do in the podcast was to have him open up all his wounds and, and the bloody misery he went through living in, in, in statutory care. So I didn't, I didn't approach it as a journalist in that sense where I wanted to know his every... You know, I, I allowed, I guess, him to sort of say what he wanted to say um, and tell his story in the way he wanted to tell it. As the uh, podcast progressed, and I didn't have a, a time limit on it because I, I just don't, um, he, he became more relaxed and he did allude to a couple of things that went, went on. Um, but I, I was quite careful not to have him be so vulnerable in, in the podcast. And he tells it all in his book anyway, which is horrendous. Um, so I didn't really want to replicate that in the, the podcast um, episode. But again, for me, that comes down to my social work training. We wouldn't do that to somebody. So why would I do that in a, in a podcast where potentially, in my fantasy, thousands of people may be listening? Uh, in my fantasy, I might add. Um, so now I, I, I draw the line at certain things in terms of what I ask and how I ask it. And yeah, I, I just don't think it's worth it really. To, to put people through that, so no. Do you give the opportunity for a review afterwards, Sylvia, or when it's done, is it done? Well, well, yeah, we're still in contact anyway. Well, I mean, in terms of the content, so you've recorded the, the interview, do you say afterwards, is there anything there that you weren't happy with? Yeah, you do, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and in actual fact, I'm so switched on, I'm exhausted by the time I'm finished, I'm so switched on as we're doing yeah. it, that I will stop it from time to time as we're doing it, yeah. if it feels, you know, uncomfortable or, yeah. or whatever, so yeah. Yeah, because it is difficult when you're really listening to somebody and you're also thinking of your next question, which is, which is a challenge. 
It's quite organic, I think, for me, and mm-hmm. I will keep banging on about this. My social work practice skills have helped me in terms of how I, I conduct myself on podcasts, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm Dan. I, uh, I'm a journalist. I'm now wondering whether I could be a social worker, actually. The, the skills yeah. seem very interchangeable. A new LinkedIn friend. <laughs> I, I accepted yes. your invitation yeah, yeah. today, didn't I? Thank you. Yes, you did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. um, I work at BBC... Um, I also have a production company that's very much in this space. It's all based around uh, charities and good causes and uh, public sector. But um, I, I was really struck by, um, and I'm sorry, was it Janice? I'm sorry? Jackie. Jackie. I got the first letter right. That's quite impressive for me. Actually. <laughs> um, thank you, Jackie. Um, Jackie's question really struck a chord because uh, I have recently done a podcast with a journalist called Terry White. Um, we started off looking at the issue of ghost children, which would be familiar to a lot of people in the room, but we quite quickly got on to, because we were looking at education, services around education, and onto social work, and stumbled across, really, in doing this podcast, a lot of the issues that are happening around social work. And a big thing that came across for us was just how the media doesn't portray social work very well at all. We seem to do quite a reasonable job I'll keep it at that level of, of holding social workers to account when things go terribly wrong, but that's the limit of media coverage, it seems to me. And in, through doing that process, I really felt, and I now take it as a responsibility, at least for, for what we do at Five Live and in my coverage, you know, to try and show now the other side of social work, which is, well, actually the 98% side of social work, which is everything else that goes on apart from these sort of terrible things that happen. Um, and one thing that really struck me was, I'm not sure that social work is great, and it's probably our fault in the media, but not great at speaking to people beyond social work. And in just looking at a lot of the podcast landscape in, in social work, it felt a lot of it was social workers talking to social workers, having really important conversations, but there seems to be no avenue really for the public to see what social workers do, understand what they do, and not see them as these sort of, uh, as one of the things that came across the podcast, these sort of child snatchers, you know, mm. which was, it seemed to be the image, you know, that, that, is, that is out there. It's a big challenge in terms of what we do. We even considered the title at the start, you know, was that closing down our potential audience? Because I think a lot of what we cover is so relevant to people outside the profession. You know, we talk a lot, about, a lot about social issues, you know, we talk about social policy, we talk about how government spends money. And I think a lot of what social work, I mean, the reason I absolutely love doing this as a non-social worker is what social workers work on, the issues they address, are just the most relevant to society functioning well. And um, yeah, I mean, I would love our audience to be beyond social work. Yeah, I and think I, Andy, I, you and I, have, we, we're quite privileged. Mm. <laughs> we've both, we're not social workers, but we've, we both have this fascination now. And I, I really feel that other people would hear these stories and get a lot from them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I must confess that, that that was partly a bit of a driver for my podcast. I wanted it to be understood by, you know, my mum, my dad, my sisters, um, you know, my friends. Um, what it's turned into, I'm not entirely sure, because I, I still think um, I'm speaking to a lot of people in the profession and in allied professions. Um, and, you know, I've made the point earlier that you know I recommend my students listen to it as well and that's really driven by education so you know trainee social workers or advanced practitioners or whatever um, 
To be cynical, I wonder how many people are really interested, to be honest. Um, that's something I ask myself quite regularly. You know, are they, are they, are people happy with just seeing us as child snatchers? Um, or are they really interested in what we do? And we work with extremely marginalized and vulnerable people for the most part, and poverty and all the other deprivations. Are people, is society really prepared to look at that seriously and then go on to make the required investments that need, mm. are needed? If you look deep, you're going to have to do something. Mm. You know? yeah, if you look at the problems, you've got to find solutions. Yeah. It's easy to ignore. Um, Could I address that? Yes, of course. I just wanted to mention that, so a lot of the podcasters that I interviewed for my research, they talked about um, wanting to portray a positive public image of social work as one of their motivations. Uh, and, but, I, but there is that kind of flip side of like, there's plenty of social workers, plenty of social workers in this room who'd be more than willing to talk positively about social work in, in any number of forums. And I think a lot of the time I do think that it's the media side, you know, it's, and, in, and in general, the public, you know, actually has a relatively positive perspective of social workers, or at least that's what recent research suggests. And so I do think it's like media and political networks that are the real, you know, that, that's where the problem lies. And it's, and, you know, it's, it's not, you know, fine, we can advocate for ourselves and we can point these things out, but ultimately it's, it's those, those sides of things that are going to need to change journalism and the journalists more kind of, uh, I guess emphasis needs to be put on them sorting this issue out, not necessarily always social workers and saying, why aren't social workers good at talking about themselves? I actually think social workers are damn good at talking about the good work that we do. I just think that necessarily the journalists and media networks aren't always the best at listening to that or recognizing that. And, you know, maybe a positive story about social work doesn't sell as many papers or doesn't get as many advertisements as uh, anything else. But I really don't give I was about to curse, and I'm not sure if that's allowed. I really don't <laughs> care about that. I just put the wee, I just put the wee e symbol beside the episode. So uh, one last question, and we're going to wrap. So. Oh, I feel like it's the greatest honour to have the final question. It's a huge pressure. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> make it a good one. Yeah, um, no pressure. Hi, Sylvia. Um, hi. I'm Becca, and mm -hmm. I'm a care experience adult, as it happens. And I was just thinking about... Um, you know, your invitation and inviting care experience people along to tell their stories, which I think is brilliant. I know that um, when I was younger, I felt done to quite a lot um, with the social workers I had. And then, you know, to be really honest, I felt like being a social worker myself, like all of us, maybe I was then complicit in doing, in, you know, the role of doing to others. And it's a really difficult space to navigate. And so, um, I know that co-production is such a buzzword at the moment and it's everywhere and mm -hmm. it's almost like people now just use it as a badge and stick it on everything. So <laughs> in those spaces with care experienced people, how do you make sure that there is meaningful co-production and that there is a kind of equal footing and you're both setting the agenda? Well, remember, the people I've spoken to, they're, they're adults now. So they are very clear about who they are and what they're doing and where they're going and so on. Um, I guess I have students who are doing co-produced research with, with, with care-experienced um, young people. And we're asking questions about, you know, really how are you ensuring that this is really participatory, it's co-produced. Co um, I think my situation as a podcaster interviewing adults is different because these people are past it and they want to tell their story. Uh, I think the other, the other um, space where people are, yeah, we are 
very much into co-producing, but how are we really doing that? I think we're still un trying to unravel that. We're still trying to unravel it. But yeah, I hear you. Thank you. Thanks to everyone who's come tonight. It's been a really, really good experience. Um, thanks so much to Patrice, Joe, and Sylvia for taking part. Particularly Patrice for making this happen. But Sylvia, you've been so generous. Joe, you've been so generous with your time. And thank you to everyone who's listening to Let's Talk Social Work. You are the reason we make this podcast. Thank you.